Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and however you are listening to this podcast, great to have you with us. This podcast was triggered by Dan Price, who caused a little bit of interest, to say the least, when he established a $70,000 minimum wage for those people that worked at his Seattle-based company, Gravity Payments. Now, we got really interested in how the reality of that plays out. Maybe you can understand it when there's 20 or 30 employees, but what happens when that company organization is considerably larger? I'm joined on this podcast by my colleague, the great and powerful Kevin Green. We had a little bit of trouble on this recording as we were doing it. It dropped halfway through, so we did notice a few audio issues. So bear with us on that, but I think you'll find the content is absolutely worth the listen. Welcome to Leadership Bites with your host Guy Bloom, a leadership podcast, conversations, just me talking and occasional interviews. Check us out at livingbrave.com and when you enjoy the episode, subscribe and tell everyone. What we want to talk about is Dan Price, the CEO of a Seattle-based company who he's got about 70 employees he made the decision in 2015 to increase the minimum wage of every person in his employ up to seventy thousand dollars which in uk pounds is about the equivalent of 53 54 pounds he reduced his own salary to enable that to happen the question that we have is did dan price do the right thing which is different to did Dan Price do a good thing and I think what that's really doing is bringing in this whole idea of somebody's worth and what certain organizations do pay in a society where poverty is a very abstract thing yeah in terms of might not be third world country poverty but it's poverty in the context of hand to mouth no money in savings I'm, I'm one month away from being on the street if I don't have a job kind of poverty great point because um, his firm yeah. is based in Seattle and it's expensive to live and work in Seattle. That's pretty intriguing, I think, this whole idea. And he's got 70 employees. I think you said he was called him a lunatic or something along those lines. Yeah, Fox News announced him to be the lunatic of lunatics when they heard his move. Yeah, and we know that Fox News has a particular bias on, on its own opinion, but he did it with the intent of fairness. He had a I think you'd said he'd gone for a hike uh, so you can talk about that for a second and then I'd read something around he'd read some research that said there was emotional anxiety for anybody that doesn't earn a certain amount in this world that we live in so yes. people that are earning let's say $70,000 or that equivalency are suffering from an emotional anxiety about paying the bills it's that hygiene factor and it's the Maslow's pyramid of shelter food and it's just that base reality of that's what people really worry about yes and, and so yeah you mentioned the hike so my, my understanding is that he was out for a bit of a, a walk up, up, up a mountain with a friend of his and she was describing to him how she was struggling to pay her bills she was earning forty thousand dollars a year in seattle and that did not leave her enough left over at the end of the month to have enough luxury or luxury items he goes to bed that night and struggles with that so i guess the backdrop in my head is we can rely on governments to have a minimum wage in the name of fairness but he decides well the government's minimum wage for seattle doesn't take into account 
how much it costs to live and work here. So I can make up my own minimum wage for my company because I'm in charge of my own company. And he decides, following the research that says it should be $70,000, $75,000 a year, I can decide to set my own minimum wage for my company. And so a lot of people end up doubling their salary overnight. Now, the criticisms of that is I'm a senior person and I work next door to Fred. Fred is frontline. He has nowhere near the skills or capabilities of mine. And yet he now earns something close to my salary because you've raised his minimum salary for 70. So I might be on $80,000 and I'm somebody very senior and I'm, I might find that offensive because there's a huge gap in skill and capability, but a very small one in compensation. And as a result of his move, he had some senior people in his firm leave the organization. And it's all very well and good saying, well done, Dan Price, for upping minimum salary. Yeah. But but can your company afford to do that? For how long will you stay afloat? And of course, you, you've probably got some things to, and observations to share. But actually, he's done flipping well. So he has, one would imagine, a group of people who are highly motivated to work and give of themselves because they're being paid, well, you could say, inverted commas, fairly. But at the very least, you would go, well, I'm now being paid incredibly well to what my peers would make. Therefore, by golly, I don't want to lose the opportunity to be working here. Yes. Can you imagine the clamour to try and get a job with his company now? Well, that's what I'm also interested in. Am I here now because of loyalty or am I here now to get the salary? And it would be very interesting, wouldn't it, to say it probably is, and I do not know, culturally, let's just say it's a really great place to work. Yes. And by guessing, anybody that's got a MD that's willing to do that, it probably is a good place to work. And if I was on that salary, and then while I was working for them, that happened, my sense of contribution would be extreme because I've already got that emotional connection to the business. Then you increase my salary. Wow, how fantastic. But I wonder what that means to new people coming in. Are they now coming for the culture or are they now coming for the salary? And if things ever change culturally, because there are ebbs and flows and it is quite a small company. And so it probably is quite a fun kind of family feel to it. As that business gets larger a can it sustain that salary because that would be quite interesting if they can't and do they go actually as we expand we can't keep this resource base going so we make a decision not to get too much bigger or if culturally it gets bigger and so it starts to have pockets within most businesses where it's not quite as good as it maybe used to be or things have changed am i now staying because i'm now paid very well yes that's a great point to ask Hmm. so i think that places a pressure on their recruitment process. I, I can't imagine that they're going to have much churn. So their recruitment is going to be based largely on expansion. So they'll know the look and feel of the ideal employee, but now they need to be able to recruit for what's your motivator? Are you just coming to us because we have a minimum salary of $70,000 per annum? So I would imagine if they get their recruitment processes really robust around sifting people out that might be attracted by the minimum salary only, I would imagine culturally they're in great shape to self-manage anyway, because I'm so fiercely loyal to this organization and this CEO, Dan Price, who did this for us. If I do spot a co-worker that's kicking it back and, and got their feet up, so to speak, I would imagine they would self-manage that individual out of loyalty to the brand, to the organization, to the culture. 
And I think this is where it becomes quite aspirational as much as intellectual, as a, as a much as emotional. I imagine that there'll be people that emotionally are very connected to the organisation. I imagine that aspirationally we want to try and keep this organisation like this, where it's fair and we're all committed. And then at the same time, intellectually, it feels like the right thing to do. But are we going to be able to maintain this as we grow? Yes, because it's got to be win-win, hasn't it? It's got to be a win for you so that you can pay all, all your bills. And it's got to be win for the organisation that we can still make a profit and expand according to my, my plans and aspirations. Yes, and that might mean that we attract the best. But the point is, you're not necessarily going to attract the best because you're paying like that. You're going to attract a lot of people that want to be paid that amount. So back to your point about recruitment competence, our ability to find those people that aren't trying to come here just for the money actually becomes quite complex because at interview, everybody presents the best side of themselves. Yes. So there is a level of fairness to it, which is laudable, but it comes with its own problems. Yes. Because it's an attractant for people that if I was on 40,000 and I could go somewhere else and get 53 or 70, depending on what currency we're using, I might like working there, but I might then go, I'm not paid that much and that's an awesome salary. So I'll do whatever I can to get that job there. Another thing that I just remembered actually was watching the JP Morgan Chase CEO, Jamie Dimon, who makes about $30 million a year. I've actually got it here, weirdly enough, in my book, which is April the 10th, US Congress Financial Services Committee. Catherine Porter, this is on YouTube. It's fantastic to watch. She's a law professor and an attorney, and she was interviewing Jamie Dimon. Now, this is a guy that is top of the tree in the financial industry. He's paid an inordinate amount of money, and he did something which was really interesting, which is basically not face into the questions that she was asking. And she, I'll just quickly read this out. She said to him, you're an expert on financial statements. You run a $2.6 trillion company. So I just want to talk to you about family budgets and stuff like that. So she said, I went to monster.com and I found a job in my hometown of Irvine at JP Morgan Chase, which is his company, well, the one that he runs. And it pays $16.50 an hour. And then she gets up a, a marker pen and she gets a whiteboard and she said just help me do the maths here so she goes $16.50 at 40 hours a week for 52 weeks of the year that comes to $35,000 this bank teller he, she says let's just call her Patricia she's got one child a six-year-old she claims for one independent after tax so she has $29,000 we divide that by 12 each month of the year that equals $2,425 a month she rents a one-bedroom apartment so her and her daughter have the same room the average one-bedroom apartment is $1,600 she spends $100 on utilities that's $1,700 left take away the uh, $1,600 for the rent and the utilities that makes $1,700 that leaves her with a net of $725 then she goes on she's like me she drives a minivan that's $250 for the car $150 for gas petrol that's three 25 and she goes on to say you know she buys ramen noodles so she's eating low budget food four hundred dollars she's got a cell phone the cheapest one you can get on the market and she basically then says school child care so she can get to the job i work out that she's minus 567 dollars a month <laughs> what, what are you going to do about that jamie well she basically said 
My question for you, Mr. Dimon, is how should she manage this budget shortfall while she is working full-time at your bank? Oh, I have to know the answer. But Jamie Dimon says... Well, he says, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. And she says, would you recommend that she take out a JP Morgan Chase credit card and then run at an ongoing deficit? And his response was, I don't know. I have to think about that. Then she says, would you recommend that she have an overdraft at your bank and be charged overdraft fees? And he said, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I'd love to call up and have a conversation about her financial affairs and see if we can be helpful. Then she says, well, see if you could find a way for her to live on less than the minimum wage as as I've described. Would that be the point of your call? And he said, well, just to be helpful. So it goes on. If you watch it, it is one of the most powerful clips because what you have is a man who does have an answer but doesn't want to give it i guess the whole thing about that incredibly uncomfortable interview and again on youtube it only lasts about eight minutes but you are watching a map who has a huge amount of income who probably in fairness never comes into these things but you know he's not working harder probably than she is but he has a skill that she doesn't and all these kind of things so he knows how to run an organization but he's getting this immense salary there's this individual who by the looks of it cannot live and at the very least save money and is probably running at a deficit may or may not have to borrow money or get a second job or whatever it is to not be in debt and i guess that's what this is about in terms of the dan price thing how many people are in the workplace take away living at home with parents which are people are doing for longer periods of time how many people are in the workplace with a level of anxiety about their income and all of this really is around culture which is is it surprising that we have people that operate from a position of submission i daren't lose this job yeah it's a big deal there are ceos for example andrew green who runs a media manufacturing company in fort lauderdale who's saying I realised because of what Dan Price did that I'm earning 30 times the salary of most of my people, but I can't square away in my head that I'm 30 times more valuable than they are. And so he gave himself a pay cut, significant pay cut. And that speaks to the Jamie Dimon interview that you just described. I suppose life isn't fair, right? We, we can go down that whole path of footballers are paid a certain amount of money, soccer players are paid a certain amount of money, and then you've got people who are doing jobs in the emergency services and they're paid paltry sums and they're saving lives for a living as yep. opposed to kicking a football around a field. We understand that as much as we might like to click our fingers and make things true, the world isn't fair. However, yes. what does Dan Price do? He says, I actually think there's something so significantly unfair that I want to do something about it. And you could argue that, yeah, you own the company, my friend and the chances are when you come to sell it you're going to do incredibly well at the back end yes uh, who, who knows but the question that we posed which is did dan price do the right thing by making everybody's salary seventy thousand dollars is almost almost maybe not the question it leads into that thing of how fair are salaries in the uk in the us in italy in france in basically first world countries where there is this veneer of well we're not in a third world country so who's really suffering well actually quite a lot of people are living in a constant state of anxiety Yes, And I wonder when we as leadership development professionals are saying to people when it comes to cultural change, hold space, have an opinion, be curious, offer challenge. There's a lot of people that may very well go, yeah, but I can't risk it. I can't risk 
that being taken the wrong way. Because if I do, I'm not financially secure. Intellectually, bringing that curiosity, inverted commas, challenge into the workplace is the right thing to do because senior people do require curiosity and challenge. What you're really asking me to do, Guy, is to take a risk that could actually mean if that person hasn't got the emotional intelligence and doesn't value it in the same way as you're espousing, I run the risk of being penalised or even let go in due course because of me operating inverted commas in the right way but that not being taken as being on the bus or part of the team because I'm bringing challenge and that just tells me that you're working in an organization which is culturally not right yet so the best case scenario is that the symbolic act demonstrated by Dan Price takes a hold other people take note we have a flock of people wanting to work for the companies owned by the Dan Prices of this world and then others have to follow suit i.e make it safe to stand up, be counted, stick your, stick your head above the parapet in the name of bringing challenge. There's a couple of other things that I think are in play here. The research says, which you're probably aware of, that money ceases to be a motivator for an employee as soon as you pay somebody enough to take money off the table, i.e. go back to what you mentioned earlier about Maslow. So there's some, there's some science and there's some examples, but it meant that Dan Price read an article, I think you mentioned earlier from Harvard, that says... Yeah, that figure to take money away from people's heads, knowing that they can pay the bills and have a bit left over for luxuries in the Seattle area was seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars So what it did for his people is to take the pain of can I pay my bills out of my head. And as a result, there are employee testimonies available on the internet that talk about how they bring a much better version of themselves to work with them every day just because they're not thinking about money they're not worrying about money because he took it off the table through seventy thousand dollars a year as a minimum salary and i really buy into that with a caveat which is he probably is a good guy it probably is a good environment it's a small ish company 70 80 employees or whatever it is so it's probably got that family feel you know i sort of mentioned that hypothesis a little bit earlier when you pay me that money i also think there are two types of people people that will move towards or away from why do you do something where you're moving towards something good or away from something bad and he some people will gravitate towards that and they will go this is fantastic and how respected i am and the value i'm now prepared to bring and so you will get the best of them and and i'm sure is the majority and then i imagine that there are people that will behave in the negative i don't mean by being sabotorial But by being that little bit more submissive, by being that little bit more willing to say yes to something, because they now look around and go, well, it is fantastic that I'm being paid that, but nobody else pays that. So if I lose my job here, I ain't going to get this anywhere else. So I bring the A-game version of me every day. Well, I think. Maybe. I bring the A-game version of myself to make sure that this company works. Or some people would me... I am risk averse to bringing that A-game version of myself, which isn't just about being positive and my willingness to contribute at a high level, but my willingness to bring challenge or to be anything other than an inverted commas team player. Because if I don't work here, I'm up the creek without a paddle because nobody else pays this kind of money. Now, I have absolutely no idea, but what I see is that people react to things not always the way that you would logically think they would yes and so that then that's back on dan price 
to get the cultural feel of his place right as well. So yes. I'm going to pay you this as a minimum salary. It makes us a very attractive place to work because you are now financially very secure, but I still need your creative curiosity, and that includes challenge here at this place of work. Yes. So what I think I'm intrigued by is I don't think the inherent truths of what a culture is shift because of paying people the right amount of money. Yes. And I think he's getting it right only because the, the, the follow-up articles that seem to be available on the internet says that his company has, has grown because the doubters, like if you use Fox News' quote, the lunatic of lunatics, yes. how long can that last? Well, it is lasting. It has lasted. And he's, I think, doubled his turnover and he's expanded his staff from, at the time he made this move, from 30 to 70. So it's working out for him. But one last thing, which is quite a lighthearted moment, is culturally, his workforce haven't quite gotten used to it, i.e. what the boss should look and feel like around right. this place. Because he downgraded his apartment, he rents out his, his mansion in the hills now, he's downgraded into a small bedroom apartment, and he was coming to work in a bit of an old banger. So the workforce clubbed together and bought him a Tesla, because that's what they thought the boss should arrive in. That's quite funny for me. <laughs> <laughs> the boss accepted his Tesla. Yeah. I, thanks very much for paying us all a minimum salary of $70,000 a year. But actually, you've downgraded too much. Here's a better car for you to come to work in. That's hilarious. Isn't it brilliant? I love it that. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. And, you know, this is where I get fascinated by the dynamics of what happens to an organization when it grows. And there is an intimacy, isn't there? There is that the phrase that everybody loves now, you know, a try. There is that work that says when a group of people are up to a certain size, there is an intimacy amongst those people because of the sizing of the group. But when you go above a certain size, you start to lose that family and that intimacy and that connection and i've seen that in many many organizations that have acquired been integrated become part of something bigger or become bigger themselves where they lament when it was smaller yes and everybody knew everybody so we used to work at churchill insurance right yeah and that was you know not an insubstantial business but it was at the time it felt like a family that everybody was more or less based at one site Loved but it. then when it acquired other businesses and it got bigger and then of course it got taken over by world bank of scotland which is its own story it's its own <laughs> story that makes you your eyes start to twitch just at the thought of it but when it did it became a different animal Predominantly, yes, because of the nature of the acquirer, but also predominantly because size changes the connection and the intimacy that people have. People, I think, joining an organization start to shift from I've come here because I know somebody or I've heard it's a great place through to I'm now attracted to it because it would look good on my CV or I'm now attracted to it because I know it pays quite well or I'm now attracted to it because there's a certain amount of learning I can get and I can use it and because of the name of the company now I can use it as a stepping stone to another organization so there are people that might be invested emotionally in an organization and then as it usually as it gets bigger there is a percentage of the people that quite legitimately are utilizing it as part of a career path and their relationship with it isn't the same. My story in and around the transitioning or the acquisition of Churchill by Royal Bank of Scotland was I realised 
three, four years after constant organisational restructures, I'd stopped celebrating surviving those operational restructures and I'd stopped being grateful that I had a job and I had to wake up one day and tell myself that I'd just started to pick up my very nice salary, but I was no longer bringing all of my intellect and all of my emotional engagement to the role where I used to do that for years. I'd just started to pick up my very nice salary and I thought that I owed Royal Bank of Scotland something more than that and on this occasion that was to acknowledge that to myself and request voluntary redundancy which happened and I think you're not the norm uh, I've just called you not normal so I think, uh, <laughs> I think I think that's great and I really do and it's, it's one of the reasons that you and I connect is because I whenever I'm with you I do think I really do need to try harder at being a better human being <laughs> but I do recognize that I'm not quite as you know I'd like to think that I am and I do try and maybe as I've got older and more financially secure I've become more willing to stand my ground on a position be it about social responsibility or ethics but when I was younger and I didn't have the money and I didn't have the backing and then you've got a family and you haven't got the financial security it's a it's a heck of a lot harder to hold ground on a position and guy forgive me the only reason i tell you that story is only to make the point that money will only go so far as a motivator yeah and then it becomes far more than money i was getting the money but culturally i no longer felt an emotional fit with the place and and i owed an acknowledgement of that to my employer so money will only motivate i think everybody to a point like dan price acknowledged he wasn't paying people enough And so let's get money off the table as a motivator. And now you can relax in financial security. Now what can you bring to the world of work here? And I think he's nailed it. Yeah, so for me then, in summary, what I'm really kind of picking up on that is it's not so much that it's the answer. It's one of the foundation jigsaw pieces of the answer. I will pay you fair. And by doing that, hopefully that is an attractant. But like you then said, in terms of your emotional safety, as long as I'm still performance managing you as per normal, i.e. if you can't do your role, then you won't be here. But the reality of it is, well, you are here. We operate a truth that is around fairness here. And you can buy into that. I think the question, did Dan Price do the right thing? I think is yes, I think there is a real, when we look at corporate social responsibility, I'd be really interested. I've always said this, take off the word corporate. It's about social responsibility. And actually organizations should, just like that Jamie Dimon, JP Morgan Chase example, people should be being paid enough money to live, I don't even want to say well, but without fear. And that is where I think that then leads into a lot of the cultural dynamics that we get asked to deal with, which is help people engage, be brave, offer their thoughts to offer challenge. And the answer is, well, then maybe also you need to pay them, right? Yes. So they have the confidence to not fear losing their job so they can have that foundational strength to contribute. Not always as simple as that because people's dynamics are different, but it's definitely a factor. I agree. Nice summary. Okay. Well, on that note, we will close. and I'm going to go and check how much money I've got in my bank. <laughs> did you have that written down or did that just come to you? That's just come to me as a fashion. <laughs> it's inspirational well humour. Well, well done. <laughs> and I'm going to check out that YouTube uh, interview. Definitely Jamie Dimon, Catherine Porter. JP Morgan Price. It is absolutely outstanding. That's it. Subscribe so you keep updated on new episodes. Visit livingbrave.com if you want to connect with us and find out more. This has been Leadership Bites. See you soon.